Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Get In The Garage. We're a music podcast. For music lovers. We've got a great show planned for you today, but before we begin, as always, please remember to like, comment, subscribe, and share the podcast with all your friends and family members. And then also, if you're watching us on YouTube, go ahead and hit that little notification bell to let you know whenever we release new videos and then also remember to please rate us on apple podcasts because that helps tremendously 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 so before I, well before we begin who's the who's the special listener of the week i would we say do one every week tell uh somebody that makes coffee a barista a barista if you will go to your local if you get coffee, coffee from someplace, tell that person that makes your coffee. If you make your own coffee, tell yourself. Tell yourself. <laughs> tell yourself. Look, what are, what are we uh, what do we have in store for this episode? Man? Wow, wow, what a treat for everybody. We have music news. We are back. We are going to give you all the things that you've missed out on and want to know about in the music world. Then we have two brand new music reviews. We are reviewing Jackman by Jack Harlow, the new release, and then we have. Gasms by the smoke show himself, Smokey Robinson. We're going to get into every kind of gasm. I can't wait. I'm excited. Eargasms, eyegasms, eyehasms. Let's get into it. <laughs> Alex. Alex, roll, roll the music. Up. Roll up the garage door. Let's get it popping. Let's get a gasm. Get in the gasm. Got those piercing green eyes, man. Love it. This is music news. Uh, dropping today, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame 2023 inductees have been announced. From the general balloting, there are seven performers elected. 90-year-old Willie Nelson, Kate Bush, Rage Against the Machine, Missy Elliott, Sheryl Crow, Grease's own George Michael, and The Spinners. Um, from the select committees, uh, this is kind of like the legacy heritage, old timers type of selections. That is Shaka Khan, Al Cooper, Bernie Toppin, Link Ray, DJ Cool Herc, and Don Cornelius from Soul Train. Um, notably not selected for induction this year, A Tribe Called Quest, okay. Iron Maiden, Joy Division and New Order, Cindy Lauper, Soundgarden, The White Stripes, and Warren Zevon. What are your thoughts about those who made it and those who were left out? I, uh, James Burke, if you were watching this episode, I think I thumbed down uh, the New Order Joy Division. Uh, I feel like I would rather have them into the Rock and no! Roll Hall of Fame. A change in his tune. A change of heart. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I feel that way. I just, I just because of the way, like the bands that did get in, uh, I feel like they're way more than like a Rage Against the Machine for me, um, mm-hmm. personally. Uh, bummer that Iron Maiden didn't get in. I, I know. Feel. I was gonna say that too. I feel like they're like the quintessential metal band of their period. Um, I think like they're like the predecessors got in, like the mm-hmm. Deep Purple, Black Sabbath, mm-hmm. Judas Priest. Um, like up to there. I know Deep Purple and Sabbath are a little older, but uh, you know, like Metallica's in. You should let Iron Maiden in. Do we think that um, what's the band with Rob Halford? Jewish priests, they're they in? in. They got in last year, I think, or the year oh, okay. before. So oh, I, yeah, I, I see Iron Maiden as being like, yes, where they were like up for induction for twenty years, and then eventually got in. Let's hope it's before like everybody dies and all that stuff. I hope so, man. Because Iron Maiden, I feel like they're, hey, like not for nothing, but Iron Maiden is one of those bands that a lot of people understand history. Like metalheads know history because of Iron Maiden. Oh yeah, because yeah. all of their music is revolving around historical events and stuff like that. So not that that's not nothing. Uh, also, you know? of like yeah. the uh, metal thing, uh, Motorhead isn't in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame either, which is very strange because oh, uh, you know big overseas band and Lemmy's like the rock and roll archetype. To me, so it's very strange that. God. Uh, but he's also not alive to make any money off of these endeavors. So I also understand that that is a big play in the rock and roll induction. Yeah, I would assume. My thought is, if you are in the category of T-shirt bands, you should be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. 
Because I see a million Iron Maiden t-shirt bands. I I mean, I see a lot of Iron Maiden shirts. I see a lot of, you know, ACDC Metallica, Judas Priest. Um, Happy to everybody that got in. Tribe. Uh, bummer that they're not in. They they're like a really, especially. I feel like at this point in time, I feel like um their influence is being like wildly felt throughout like mm-hmm. hip hop currently. So yeah. um big um you know miss on the rock and roll hall of fame's part, especially to put in like a a hip hop rap group like mm-hmm. consistently like really doing it, and then like you know Missy Elliott, thumbs up, thumbs up Missy Elliott, thumbs up George Michael, Grease's own. I mean, I mean, he, he I, was a rival of Michael Jackson, in especially in Europe, during yeah. the 80s and 90s. Yeah. Very glad, like, the more... I, I liked, like, the pop... Um, I like the more eclectic Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I feel like it, like, yeah. fits everyone's palettes better and makes everybody a little bit more satisfied. Um, also, like, I'm over, like, the... It's a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Like, nobody cares about that. Uh, include everybody. Yeah. It's, like, the popular music hall of fame now so yeah um i like yeah. it i like the um things uh rage against the machine i could live without uh but that's just my uh personal opinion yeah i'm kind of in the middle with rage against the machine but uh good for willie nelson i was surprised willie nelson wasn't already in the rock and roll hall of fame i don't know why i thought he he i mean he's in countries and songwriters all that kind of stuff but yeah. he is right he's a big figure man but he's, yeah that's it's what pop i mean music, and he's 90 you know yeah. you know he's been around a long time but also thumbs up link ray man come on Oh, Link Ray got in? Yeah, oh, Link Ray's getting Link in. Link Ray and the Ray men. Come like, on now. Thumbs up, man. Come on Rock now. and roll to the core. Yeah, 100%. Very cool. Very cool. Um, I like, I like. Uh, to piggyback off of um, Willie Nelson a little bit, Willie Nelson celebrated his 90th birthday, and it was a huge party, and one of the highlights was uh, Roll Me Up, the performance of the song Roll Me Up with one Snoop Dogg. Of course. uh, With Blunt in hand and also singing and having a good time. Um, I don't, (laughs) if you give a chance, watch the video. I tried to find like a short clip for us to to play on here, but I couldn't find one. Everything was just like the full length video of them singing together. But good on you, Snoop Dogg. Right on. Singing with with Willie Nelson. I thought that was great. Nine years old. Uh, Snoop Dogg is everywhere. Uh, Also, Michael, this was a sneak in of your uh, ever-going Snoop Dogg news. Yes, as I do like to report on the Snoop Dogg news regularly. Also, I just want to tell you guys, if you didn't know, I told him already, but uh, that Snoop Dogg that we like uh, reported on when he was at uh, WrestleMania and jumped in the Mm -hmm. ring. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was a impromptu moment. So what happened was Shane McMahon like busted his um like groin muscle in like the thirty seconds of his match. Snoop Dogg was hosting the event, saw this happen, and decided to take it upon himself to save the match and start like impromptu wrestling the Miz in that moment. So he was like, "I'm gonna save the show right now." So uh, a consummate showman. Shout out to Snoop Dogg for being like the ultimate showman of all time. Oh my God, is that Snoop Dogg's music? Because like <laughs> his legs <laughs> nah, 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 uh, nah. looked a bit old and shaky, but the showmanship was uh, alive and well. Was strong. <laughs> like I just respect all day, man. Wow, wow, good for you, Snoop Dogg. So Luca, I would like to tell you guys that they are making records with tears oh. on the insides of them, and. A very appropriate band decided to go in on this venture. Fallout Boy <laughs> is making copies of their new album, um, So Much for Stardust. And they released 50 copies with Pete Wentz and um, oh, what's the singer's name? I can Patrick, uh, Stump. Patrick Stump. Thank you. Pete Wentz and Patrick Stump cried into vials and they mixed it into these records. And um, you can now buy the new album so much for stardust with their tears in it um they were really really expensive and they sold out but i think they're doing some um charity ones where you could like bid on it and maybe win this um item so i thought it was really cool i'm gonna put a clip down here of pete wentz getting his like eyeballs like uh (sighs) teared into the record it's so crazy um also they're calling it crinal (laughs) <laughs> instead of vinyl yes it's cridal it's- i heard Smokey robinson had a little bit of fluid pressing his records oh but- listen listen that- <laughs> he was just having a good time at the record pressing plant the special edition of gasms um oh. 
Yeah, so this is like so funny to me. Um, I think they had well, like the Flaming Lips. I think did one where it was like blood filled. They had like a uh, Yoko Ono and a bunch of other artists like contribute blood and put it on the inside of the records. Um, <laughs> although I think the technology was not there yet because everyone I've seen, they all leak. Every single one of them has I've seen as like leaked that's been filled. So um, fast track to getting Hep C or something. Uh, oh, if you bought a Crinal, let me know. <laughs> If it leaks were they or not. Were they happy tears or sad tears? That's the question. He looked indifferent. <laughs> he looked indifferent, indifferent tears. Um, so I can't God. think of a more like appropriate band, like an emo band, to make a, a tear-filled record. So uh, very funny. And I, I, I think it's wow. a, a good gimmick for that band. Uh, very much in play with who they are. Yeah. Oh, also, yeah. So they retailed. Did you say how much they retailed for? Oh, they were so expensive. Ninety nine, ninety nine. And they came with functional tissue dispensers. Yes, which I they, thought was pretty. I funny. think they only made fifty of them. Uh, uh, yeah, that's yeah. They uh, follow up boiling press up to fifty of the crinal versions of uh, so much for Stardust, and they sold out immediately. So, good yeah, God, interesting uh, creative choice. I'm interested in seeing where this goes. Uh, would you buy a record filled with tears? Absolutely not. What if it was like your favorite artist? What if it was like Radiohead? What if it was an album filled with Prince's they tears? They don't cry. Ro- robots don't cry. <laughs> would you, would you buy oil. like an, just, an album lubricant. full of Prince's tears? Mm. See, that one's more intriguing. Dove's tears. <laughs> <laughs> like Sinead O'Connor's Nothing Compares to You, see, uh, seven inch filled none with of her that tears. Thing, none of that stuff is intriguing to me because it's like, yeah, prove that any of that's in it. Oh, it's got to be like it's a like, mixed yeah. solution. Yeah, it's like it's, it's, it's diluted stupid. tears. Stupid. Yeah, I don't know. I'm it's here a weird for it. thing. Wait, so it's actually filled with tears? So it's like a hollow. I'm gonna guess. Oh. I'm gonna guess it's a, it's like a tear and then like some kind of solution that will stay forever. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's got to be. I don't know. It's weird though. Crinal, get at us. What's Cry- going on? Crinal. This podcast is brought to you by Crinal. No, it's not. You it's pay not. us, Crinal. Yeah. Um. I've got some music news. I've got some legal news. Uh, court is in session. You'll hear it. Order in the court. So Ed Sheeran, as some of you might know, is now in court being sued by the Marvin Gaye estate. The ghost of Marvin Gaye. The ghost of Marvin Gaye <laughs> is suing Ed Sheeran. Is ruining music. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, let's be for honest real. here. Uh, so, you know, claiming that Ed Sheeran lifted part of the melody for his 2014 hit, Thinking Out Loud, from the song Let's Get It On. And while Ed Sheeran was on trial, he was basically asked, like, kind of like, what's going on? What's the deal? Blah, blah, blah. And Ed Sheeran, <laughs> more or less, this is not verbatim. I don't have the manuscript from the. From Read this the, back to me, stenographer. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. What's going on? Yeah, what's going on? <laughs> what's, I laugh because it's a Marvin Gaye fun. <laughs> is it? Oh, what what's, going, on, yeah, what's going on? Yeah, sorry. Uh, so Sheeran was on the stand. His attorney asked what Sheeran would do if he lost the case. Sheeran responded, quote, if that happens, I'm done. I'm stopping to have someone come in and say, we don't believe you. You must have stole it. I find insulting. I find it really insulting to work my whole life as a singer-songwriter and diminish it. But really, my biggest concern with this whole thing is that if Ed Sheeran stops making music, that means that we'll never really get the Danny Filth collab with Ed Sheeran. And I have been waiting on this collaboration for a long time. It's supposed to And come I'll be really sad. So if, for the love of God... Ghost of Marvin Gaye, please just hold off until we get that Danny Filth collaboration. Uh, I really want the Cradle of Filth uh, Ed Sheeran album to come out as well. Um, this lawsuit, though, is so – this is so silly to me. Um, there is, like, that comedy – remember that comedy skit, like, when YouTube first got popular and that this I, this comedy band, they played their, like, we're going to do 60 songs in – Four uh, chords. Yeah, in yeah, four yeah. chords. Sure. And they literally play yeah, every yeah. song you can think of, every pop song for the yeah. past four, 30 years in, um, you know, a couple minutes. And everyone's laughing, having a good time. Um, this is what that lawsuit seems like to me. I know everybody has also seen those videos and knows what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, at this yeah. point um, – and I think he's done it on talk shows as well, where he takes like four chords and starts like looping them, and it's like I can do this song, oh, and yeah. then I'll play this song. Yeah. Like he has actually done that with other people's music, it, it, like in real time on on TV. Um, this is ruining music. I don't like this copyright uh, lawsuit. It's so um, vague. Uh, there is only, you know, what, like seven notes in the whole scale or whatever, and it's you can only... Well, it's, a, it's a chord progression that they have a problem with because both songs start with the... Bum-t, 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 bum-t. 
It's like you, you can't copyright a four chord chord progression. Yes, it's a, pretty much the same tempo, different keys, different voices of the chords, different instrumentation. It's like you, know, you can't copyright one minor two four five like yeah i it, don't know it's just stupid it does feel really stupid uh also in arguments in the court um he has brought out uh van morrison songs to play as um like mm. this song sounds exactly like it i don't know which van morrison song off the top of my head that he uh referenced but uh also also very interesting he is fighting for himself and fighting for everybody else i think um, whether we want our hero to be Ed Sheeran or not at the moment, he would seem to be the person who has to face the battle. So um, as much as like, you know, I'm a rock and roller and I like kind of crap on Ed Sheeran a lot. Um, go Ed Sheeran. And I really hope you win. And I really hope this is the last lawsuit like this. Yeah. The sad thing to me is just, this is in my opinion, I know he's been dead for 40 years, but this is fully tarnishing Marvin Gaye's legacy. Like, his family is going after, they went after Robin Thicke and Pharrell for Blurred Lines, which is another one where it's like, hey, play the songs back to back. Similar vibe, similar feeling, but that's what they're going for. They were going for a retro song that was reminiscent of those type of songs, yeah. like uh, Gotta Give It Up by Marvin Gaye. But it's stupid. Um, there's only so many chords. And I'll addendum is one minor three, four, five. Don't get at me. <laughs> um like it. That's all I have to yeah. say about that. Yeah. Uh, go Ed Sheeran. Go Ed Sheeran. Uh, what yeah. do you got? Yeah. Um, I do have one more thing, and we can pull the video up for the good people to see. I will play it for here. Uh, I'll play it for us here. So the Met Gala happened, and a lot of people dressed up as cats in honor of Carl uh, Lagerfeld, uh, like because he passed away. He was a um, uh, popular, famous fashion designer, and uh, people dressed up he like his cat. Clothes. He made Shell clothes. Pet. Uh, and uh, famously, Jared Leto was in full cat mascot type mascot of type of thing, but Doja Cat was there, and she dressed as a cat, cat-ish sort of thing. She had kind of face prosthetics to make herself look like a cat. There's a great video of her being interviewed. I'd like to play that interview for us. Okay. Uh, I don't think there's going to be any copyright problems. I don't know. We'll we'll figure out. But if Marvin Gaye's family comes after us, we'll know. So she just meows. <laughs> Yo, you made the bitch of a cow lady famous. This is her. She's, yeah. This has always been this lady. I love Doja Cat. I just love Cat. how people, you know, it's so funny. I, I love know, Doja so Cat. Funny. Doja Cat has been trolling since the moment she got famous. I yeah. kind of am into her thing. Um at this point, I'm I'm just for it. It's so it's so fame is so fucking stupid. It is though that, but like that's Doja. It's so fucking that's stupid. Doja Cat. It's like all day long. It's I feel like that's the I'm so into. The well, vibe. I love I did my thing is I love the fact how like you know you see the Met Gala and it's like Night of the Stars and they're all wearing all these different designers and this and that and the other thing. Jared Leto shows up like he's the mascot for a sports team. <laughs> You know, and Doja Cat's meowing through interviews, and I just think it it makes a a, a beautiful mockery of the whole thing, and I really enjoy that. Uh, also, I would I would like to know a little bit if Doja Cat's like sincerely like I I am this man's cat tonight, or uh, if she was just like I'm, I like to dress like a cat, and I feel like meowing at everybody. I want to know what the vibe was. If it was like a real like energy of like i am a cat or if it's like i want to fuck with people so i want to know where the line was in her head a little bit i'm not sure but i hope we find out because uh i kudos to doja cat either way uh, it's all good it's all good it's all uh, good doja cat do you have anything else yeah i got one more thing uh katie perry uh was sued in australia by a fashion designer named katie perry so when Katy Perry became famous uh, in the kind of 2005, 8s, around there, um, she would start to tour in Australia, and this fashion designer was like, who is this Katy Perry? Um, because Katy Perry, the singer's name, um, is not really Katy Perry. That is her stage name. Mm -hmm. So the fashion designer, whose real name is Katy Perry, sued, and now Katy Perry is not allowed to like sell her 
fashion brand in Australia anymore that was called Kitty Perry. Um, so that is the outcome of this. Also, when she like tours Australia, she won't be able to sell or has to give a percentage of money to that fashion designer whose name is Katy Perry, but only in the country of Australia. So very strange. Um, Same exact spelling? Yes, K-A. But like the name, so the judge kind of ruled that it was an innocuous, like no harm, no foul. Like she didn't mean to like take your business in your name because it was a fairly popular uh, clothing line in Australia. But yeah, so she, you know. Is the fashion designer's line called Katy Katy Perry as well? Yes. It the fashion line is called Katy Perry. Oh, like Kitty Perry. That's Kate that's the singer's fashion line. Right. Is Kitty Perry. Yes. And then fashion designer's line is called Katy Perry. Correct. Oh, so I don't see why that would be a problem. Yeah, it, I don't because it's just because like even right. when it's too close. the singer goes yeah. and tours in that country, <laughs> she yeah. the the fashion designer was like she's selling merch that says Katy Perry, and sure. that's my name. That's not even her name. So mm. I get that. Um, also, I think this is a really, really stupid uh, splitting hairs lawsuit. A bit on this one. Very much splitting hairs. Splitting whiskers. Uh, Thank you. Love that. I'm here for uh, wow. singer Katy Perry. I feel like it's innocuous. I feel people can uh, distinguish between a fashion line and a singer's like T-shirt with like you know things on it. But can twelve-year-olds, which is where their money comes from. I mean, maybe, but the th- but here's the thing though, man. Everybody has a supercomputer in their pocket when they go. Oh, you go to the store and you go. Oh, this is a Katy. This is I a guess Katy Perry. So. Look Different it up and you go. Is that the, the same? Jeans. Is that the same yeah. Katy Perry? You. Is this the same Katy Perry? Oh no, it's not the same Katy Perry. Like, I don't you can know. find that out in three minutes. Not I think even. it's confusing. Uh, and I think if Katy Perry singer sells shirts in Australia, it should just say like Katy Perry something else or like Katy Perry tour. music or tour or something to distinguish it. Yeah. And I think that's going to be the workaround for that or like just KP tour. You know what I mean? Yeah. So um. Hopefully, so uh, the designer must have been big years, years ago. Yes, yes, it was already very big in the home country of Australia. So, yeah, uh, you know, and probably stopped world. You know what I'm saying? May have like infringed uh, worldwide growth. So, yeah. uh, I thought that was pretty interesting and wanted to uh, shout that out. Katy Perry gets sued for being Katy Perry. Interesting. Yeah. What are you gonna well, do? Best of luck, Katy Perry. This was music. Both news. of you. Both of you. <laughs> Both, Both of, of you. you. Uh, this has been music news. Let's take a quick break. We're gonna come back. We got two new album reviews. Don't go anywhere. Get ready for them gasms. Gasms. Yeah, here. We're fine. All right, everybody. Welcome back to Get in the Garage. We're the music podcast. For music lovers, this week we're talking about two new music albums released April 28th, my birthday. Uh, The first is by Jack Harlow. It's called Jack Man. It is his third studio album uh, produced by a number of producers, including Babe Truth, Rashad Thomas, Hollywood Cole, Boy Wanda, and more. Uh, it is 10 tracks long. It is 24 minutes, a breezy 24 minutes long. I was a pretty uh, indifferent Jack Harlow hater because I'm 35 years old and I'm like, I don't give a shit about a 25 year old rapper. Um, but this album is the first one that I've listened to multiple times. And I was pleasantly surprised by this album. I thought this album was um, decent to pretty good. Uh, what did you guys think about this album? Uh, I This is like my first time with Jack Harlow. Um, I haven't really listened to anything prior to this that I can tell, that I know of, I should say. The album right before this, I had heard that, you know, we were talking about it off cam, that it wasn't really well received. This one, I will have to agree with Jeff. I was pleasantly surprised. I thought 24-minute runtime, too, was like just perfect. It was like he's in, he's out. It's good, you know, 10 songs. A real thin record, I think easily digestible. Um, beats are good. Lyrics are good. I liked it. Yeah. Um, Jack Harlow seems to kind of be um, what from kind of I was looking up. He was kind of like the it boy, and he's now the very like pretty boy of like the moment. He's very much like the, uh, you know, youth affection uh, famous guy. Um, but he's also very much a musician. 
I also made note that uh, Pitchfork reviewed his first two albums, and then once he got very mainstream and popular, they stopped, and they uh, have not uh, reviewed this one as well, which I also thought was very much of interest to like how his career um, is and how he's been received as an artist. Um, that being said, I enjoyed this record i think it's a very much a leap and bound forward in uh his musical trajectory uh lyrics seem introspective and very thoughtful not a lot of braggadocious stuff on here that's there is some like of that on here but this, it's not like um a drake like uh kind of record where it's very like machismo yeah. the whole way through um this is very much of like this is who I am. These are the problems I'm going through. This is what I'm struggling with. These is what I'm succeeding with. Um, and uh, I think it's like a take back looking at his career and uh, a very great I think highlight and uh, an interesting album at 24 minutes because I think it kind of gives like a concept of his life in a short snippet and kind of send out in the world. Really was a fan of the whole vision of this record. Mm. I think it was very well done. 24 minute album, kind of crazy. Uh, but becoming more and more the norm because when we think about albums when we were growing up, albums were especially hip hop albums, an hour plus. Oh yeah, and you find that a lot today too. There's a lot of artists who do release like 22 track albums, but I think this younger generation is more on the trend of get in and out in two minutes and 20 seconds. Try to get some hooks so they can get on TikTok videos and become mainstream and get streams. Um, I thought some of the strong points of this album were the beats, especially I enjoyed. Um, the opener, Common Ground, uh, They Don't Love It, Gang, 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 uh, Questions. Like the, a lot of that kind of early Kanye West college dropout mm -hmm. type of triumphant, pitched up uh, soul samples with piano. And uh, I thought that. The one thing I would say is like a couple of the songs I actually liked the most, they're done in two minutes and 10 seconds. Yeah. And I'm like, yo, you could have done another verse or like an outro <laughs> with some crowd work stuff or something. Cause like when you're on a good thing, you kind of want to ride it for more than two and a half minutes. Um, there's only one song on this whole album that's over three minutes long. And that's the song Blame on Me, which was my personal favorite. Um, it's kind of like, I think his most mature song, uh, speaking about points of view as being his younger brother, being himself as the older brother, be his father, like raising and like dynamics in a family um, with a great boy wonder track behind it. Um, yeah, I, I just thought the one like big bummer on this one for me was the song No Enhancers, Yo, I, which was like, you made this song so that girls would put it on their TikTok videos. Yo, <laughs> like, yeah. that's, like that's the only reason that song was made. It sounds shout like. out to that. <laughs> shout out to Jack Harlow's homeboy that beat cancer. But like, yo, why does the, <laughs> why does that dude's cancer track get like all like, it's like, wait, okay, what? The yeah. First that's one line of the, in the, the first song line is like, is, my best friend just beat cancer. Anyway, he, let me talk about this girl. Anyway, and you're like, talk about what? girls who don't wear makeup. Yeah. yeah I'm <laughs> like, wait, what does that have to do with anything? Yeah, I don't so know. He starts off with this boy beating cancer. Then the whole rest of that song is about this girl that don't call him back. And yeah. it's was like, okay, and doesn't wear makeup. Um, so It was very strange. Yeah. It was very, very strange. Yeah. Uh, that is literally, yeah. like, the uh, same for me. Like, the only real, like, bummer on this album. I'm like, what? This song is, like, whack as crap. Yeah, but, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. like, everything. Yeah. But um, I wanted to also shout, like, blame on me. And I wanted to ask yeah. you guys this question, too, because I'm not, like, the hip-hop head at the table. Um, do you think Blame On Me, where it's the conversation, the first one is the younger brother, the second one's him, the third verse is his dad, like you said. Um, is that Mr. Morale influenced? Do you think? Do you think this? Because for me, listening to this album, I was like, "Oh, is this is this album like uh, really Kendrick influenced?" Because it's a lot of that like personal. It's a lot. Of, that's it's a lot of family struggle on here. I sure. think one of the I can't remember who it is. One of the producers did work with Kendrick. I can't Boy remember. Wonder. Boy Wonder. Right? He works with Drake and Kendrick. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. But um, do, do you think that because he's like a younger guy? Do you think it was like well, maybe like a look up to that and like a a, a facing forward, being like, oh, I I see he, where this is going. Well, he tips the hat all over the record. I mean, there's uh, I forget which song it is, but he says, you know, the Nas's, the Missy Elliotts, the he does that kind of thing. There's sort of oh, what it seems. Can't be. Yeah. There, there, there's a sort of what seems to be a tip of the hat to Eminem reference, and uh, they don't love it. The second track on the record. Um, but yeah, maybe I mean perhaps I'd say yes because. Yeah. Kendrick Lamar is kind of um, maybe like the oldest and most uh, meaningful in this generation of hip hop artists. Like this wave 
over the last decade, he is like the guy from this 10 years. Um, so I think the introspection, I think it being 2023 also just lends hip hop music to be more introspective and more socially conscious and less like flagrantly misogynistic and kind of flippant because things get clipped out and then you're canceled and all that stuff. So yeah. like you have the song Gang, 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 which is um, yes, thank you. a dark song, dark subject matter about having friends who are accused of uh, sexual misconduct, of molestation, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and to me, that song was like, what if Eminem was alive today and instead of making music that was like very like pouring the gasoline on the dark shit, instead was like, I'm acknowledging this stuff that needs to change. Like right. an, enli an enlightened point of view. And I think flow-wise and style-wise and subject matter-wise, it was very Eminem uh, indebted, in my opinion. Um, yeah, I think I think stylistically he is so... I hear a lot of J. Cole in what he does, a lot of his flow, a lot of his rhyming, a lot of the lyrical content is very J. Cole to me. I think the way the beats and what he's talking about married together reminds me a lot of like the Blueprint era Jay-Z. Um, I think he references being white in a handful of tracks... I don't really know his background other than he's from Louisville, Kentucky, but like that Southern kind of like middle of nowhere point of view. Like, I don't know. That's why the J. Cole thing, who I believe is from North Carolina, like kind of rural kind of point of view. Um, but I don't know. Yeah. I think the Kendrick thing is like he, Kendrick is a, is a huge figure in modern hip hop. Yeah. So I think it, I think that's what, that influence and I think that like direction of this record is what really because it's see it's really a, quite a serious record for the 24 minute there's not like a lot of like let's get down and party there's like yeah, really no right. party anthems on right. here yeah. um like common ground is uh the opening track is describing um rural um white kids um kind of like taking uh black and uh culture and like other you know cultures that aren't white and mixing them together and how that doesn't how it like is awkward and doesn't really work all the time and yeah. um and I think he's really tackling hard subjects and I think things that are He's tackling the things that people are saying in their closed uh, rooms about him, in their own homes about him, and I think he's really bringing it to the surface and challenging all of them, and I think it's making him a stronger artist. Uh, even, like you said, on They Don't Love It, the Eminem reference, um, and then Gang Gang, Blame It On Me, um, and then even It Can't Be, uh, all the, a whole song, which is a whole retort of like everything that like can be thrown at him as like an artist, and like you're not effectually this or that or this or that, um, and he, you know, and that's probably like one of the most upbeat songs on the whole, you know, kind of record. That's so. the most braggy song of absolutely. Maybe, yeah, it's like the humble bragging thing. Yeah, yeah. I've seen, I saw in some people's reviews of this record that they, he may be guilty of a little bit of humble bragging, which I, yeah, I did yeah. get on there, but there seems to be a lot of the things that I liked on this record was a good sense of storytelling, the song Ambitious. It's cool because he tells you himself from 14 to 19 to 24. There's there's a cool line, you know, like from 14, uh, Peach Fuzz is coming in to 19, mustache, mustache coming in, I really want a beard though. You know, and he kind of charts out sort of his career and his trajectory. So the storytelling, I, 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 really, I really do enjoy that. Even with Gang, 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 it's an interesting... It's a story, right? Like he's basically being like, "Oh, so and so, Marcus. Wait, our Marcus. Wait, what? Our Mar you know." So he's kind of telling you this, you know, um, this story. And even songs like Denver, where it's like the first verse, the first verse, he's talking about, "Oh, I wrote that first verse in September," and that first verse is he's sort of like looking inward and sort of feeling insecure. And then the second verse that he writes in January. It's sort of like outwardly, like where he's like, "Well, they're treating me like this, or they're looking at me like this." After or he's what do famous, they say? Right. At, right. So. Um, I think that's uh, that's interesting, and it shows that he he is a good writer. And I think uh, as far as what his future look like looks like, I think that if he stays on this kind of wavelength, where he's like embracing that sort of introspective viewpoint and looking into the storytelling idea of things, I think he'll be really successful, man. I am up for this, and also uh, there's a reference on this album too, where uh, he says like, you know. Uh, people think I'm just like in it for the acting game now and he's like nope I'm really in for this so even though he's got like all these acting gigs and uh, big high profile things going on uh, it seems like he's really uh, interested and wants to remind people especially with this like surprise album release mm -hmm. that he's still a very serious musician and that's his number one priority so, yeah his previous album had a long huge rollout and then it like tanked 
So I think he's like, let me just make a record and just put it out a week later so that it's not this whole like, ta-da! Yeah. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> Alex, fail. do you have any opinions about this record since you are the only um, early 20-year-old in the room? <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I've i listened to Jack Harlow a bit. It's it's like really popular in my age group for sure. Good, good point. Um, and I, I really enjoyed his storytelling. Like Mikey said, gang, gang, gang really really like took me by surprise listening to some of the some of the storytelling on that and then my favorite song was definitely the track uh album opener common ground mm-hmm. um and overall i think it was a much better change of pace for him because it was more just like drake trappier beats prior and it didn't really catch my interest mm-hmm. this caught my interest because i am into a little bit more of the old school hip-hop old school r&b old school rap yeah um, so it just felt more of my wavelength for sure. Yeah, had a lot more organic type of things, a lot more soul Definitely. type of things, a lot less like I'm trying to blow up and get views yeah, and streams. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think after this album, it's like I enjoy a lot of what he does and I know that like hip hop writing is so far out of my wheelhouse. Like I don't even, I wouldn't even know where to start. So I, I applaud the fact that he actually is like, he ain't, he's not the best rapper alive, but he's decent. Yeah. He's all right. And like the the 20% where he is a cornball, it's like there's a lot of rappers who are t- cornballs 20% of the time. It's like it kind of comes with yeah. the territory. There, there's like six, six guys ever who don't fall into cornball tendencies. Right. So like I thought it was good to hear. Um, I will listen to his stuff that comes out after this because this was decent to like pretty good. Yeah. Big, big surprise. Um, some ratings. Alex, you want to hit us with a rating from you, please? Yeah, I'll go. Um, I really appreciate it. It was short, sweet, to the point. Um, I think a little bit longer could have been made in, maybe like 30, yeah. 30 32 minutes. Mm-hmm. I think 35 is when you start to break like over that barrier. It's like kind of a challenge to listen to. Um, I didn't find myself questioning it at all, um, so I'd probably give it like a, an 8. That's fair. Cool. Yeah, I uh, I enjoyed this more than I thought I would. And I will go back and I will listen to about half of this again. Uh, I will give this a seven. I'm going to agree with Jeff. I'm also going to go with a seven. Pleasantly surprised. I enjoyed it. And I look forward to uh, what happens next. I am going to give this a pitchfork 7.5. Denver didn't really... Sorry, no enhancers didn't really do it for me on here. Um, it would have been a little bit higher if that track was a something I enjoyed a little bit more. So uh, I'm gonna give 7.5. I think this is a really solid release, a great hip hop album. Uh, its brevity is its strength. Yes. Uh, great record. Yes, indeed. And our next new album that we're reviewing is oh. a throwback from one of the legends in pop music, American music, soul music, R&B music. Uh, it is an album by Smokey Robinson. It's Smoke called. Show. Gasms. Uh, this is the first album of all new material by Smokey Robinson since 2009. Uh, to set up this album, Smokey Robinson is an 83-year-old man. And this is a concept album about sex and other forms of pleasure. So picture in your mind an 83-year-old man and then think, would I love to hear this guy sing about sex and physical pleasures for the next 52 minutes? Uh, 41 minutes because that's what you get uh i don't think this i think this album like kind of on the top was like good god this is gonna be weird uh it's weird for like eight percent of it and then the rest in my opinion was actually pretty decent um this was produced by Smokey robinson i don't know when it was worked on it said on wikipedia worked on the album for the last five to six years but also credited ricky lawson on drums and ricky lawson died 10 years ago so I don't know. And uh, the, the drums sounded like Ricky Lawson. Like the drums are perfectly on point. Ricky Lawson famously played with Whitney Houston, Stevie Wonder, Michael Jackson, et cetera. Uh, so who knows? Like if, if the instrumentals are from a decade ago and the vocals are from four years ago, uh, I don't know. But uh, what did you guys think about this album? Well, let me just tell you, I, uh, when I first heard the song Gasms, uh, the opening, the title track Gasms. and the opening track, uh, I thought, my God, how many times is he going to say the word gasms? Uh, I counted 65, just for the record. Oh, boy. I, I counted 65 Over gasms. Over four minutes. It's, it's, a uh, it's a lot of gasms. There's a lot of gasms. Uh, ironically enough, he never actually says orgasms, but he does say eye-gasms and ear-gasms. And your-gasms. And your-gasms. <laughs> Mind-gasms. And uh, mine-gasms. Getting late-gasms. 
Yeah. Uh, I'm hard to shake gasms. I don't know. He's knocking on wood. He's crazy. Uh, yeah. In the verse where he goes, I'm knocking on wood. wood. You're it's like, so oh, funny. I know what you're talking about, Smokey. Um, but I I liked it. I really did. I It's kind of like turned into like a guilty pleasure record for oh, me yeah. over the course of this past week. I'm like, yo, man, go smoke show. You know, on one end, you can look at it and be like, he's an 83-year-old man. It's kind of creepy. But on the other end, you look at it and you go, he's an 83-year-old man. He's had lots of gasms in his he life. He has the right to, yeah. You know, yeah. and he has a lot of experience. He knows the difference between a bad gasm and a good gasm. I'm here for the good gasms. I'm at. I'm so, like, I don't know how I feel about this record. <laughs> it's so, like, I'm all over the place with it. On one point, I'm like, yeah, do it till you die. And I, I am like that. And if I am like that, Smokey Robinson has kind of made like his career focal point to have you do it. Like that's all he's been wanting you to do his whole career is like just I want you to get it on and be happy about it. Yeah. And if that's all he's been trying to do his whole life, and this is a work up to that, this whole album a climax, you might say, <laughs> a climax to that point. This album is Ew. a big representation of what he's done his whole career and who he's always been. And I'm very much kind of there for it. On the other front, this is a whole album, like Jeff said, dedicated to doing the nasty. And who's doing it to this record? Like, that's what I want to know. This record is for doing it. Are old people doing it to this? Are old people buying this record? Are old people listening to this record and doing it to it? Are young people doing it to it? I'm not really interested in doing it to it. So it's these questions I have. Do you know what I mean? Who is this album to do it for? Well, I think the answer is everybody. Um, <laughs> yeah. This album sound. I'm gonna start with this. It sounds amazing. The instrumentals are like fantastic. Yeah, they're like thriller level of like perfect articulation and like nuance and taste, in my opinion. Um, this is a man who's like recreating a lot of sounds from the kind of late '60s through like mid '80s, but using the budget that he is afforded by being in the music industry for the last 65 years. Like, I don't know how much this album costs. I don't know how many musicians were on this album. Uh, the credits were very hard to find. Um, but there's a lot of standouts on this. There's a lot of great, like, bongo playing. The opener has a great um, triangle, like, muted triangle player. Uh, great string arrangements, great horn arrangements. The rhythm guitar parts are fantastic. The piano is great. Um, some some like standouts for me, uh, slow jam beside you track six, outstandingly beautiful organ playing. Like yeah. I think the highlight of the whole album. Um, I think it's hit Smokey's best vocals on the album. It has a spoken word interlude slow jam style. Uh, one of the lines is, "I don't want to make you uncomfortable." It's like, <laughs> well, we're we're thirty minutes into this, my man. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you open it with gasms. We're like, already uncomfortable. The song after that, if we don't have each other, is this like mid-tempo funk song with hand claps and like that slappy bass pops kind of in there. Um, these great filter harmonies. Uh, the anticipation for the real drums to kick in was like killing me, and the real drums never came in. Yeah, like I, I would have dropped drums in at like right around the three minute mark and just have the drums kick in for the last minute and a half, but they it kind of just leaves you. <laughs> on the edge um, <laughs> the whole time. Uh, harmonica player on the song Roll Around. I don't know Yo, who played is that. that fucking is that Stevie? Stevie? I heard it I don't and know. I'm like, this was my it thought. Could have been. This is my thought on, I hope on Roll Around. Also, I'm like, a great line on that. Oh, please, give me the line Whenever my day seems hard and totally whack. Yo, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was saying that to totally Mike. Totally whack. I, yes, he goes, whenever my day seems hard and totally whack, when I feel I've put out and I've got nothing rolling back. Um, so funny that he said totally whack. Yeah. Uh, if that's not Stevie Wonder, what a sham! Because you know Stevie, like Stevie Wonder, Wonder. Yeah. you played with him last month yeah, yeah. at the Grammys. You could at least have him on your album yeah. and not get somebody that rips off Stevie Wonder. Yeah. Also, if he's on your album, credit that dude. I, I yeah, I don't know. I, I just couldn't know. find credits. I like, couldn't either. Yeah, there was see. nothing because I heard that nothing. and I went. <laughs> you gotta go out and buy. It. <laughs> we gotta go out and buy it. <laughs> Do they if have it you Target, buy it, maybe? So I said this to Mike, too. Yeah. I went, is it all digital? Is it all keyboard no. instrument? Because nobody's... No, 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 no. This is not keyboards. This is all real Because I thought it sounded a little too good to be keyboard instruments, but nobody was credited, so yeah, I was very is, confused. This is 
definitely real instruments this is definitely real drums definitely real bass definitely real strings yeah because uh, yeah. uh one song highlight that i have uh i keep calling you which is kind of like i a love that soul, i love that yeah but like it's kind of like a like a sade kind of vibe how thing good is going that guitar it. that's so good man. Guitar, great organ too yeah. and the great solo and then the, yeah, but yeah. there's a great around a minute and a half there's a great bass break right like that i'm like that is not there's no way that's fake bass that had that's definitely a real bass um but the song I want to know your I body. love that. <laughs> Dude, I love, I love, I love the drum sound. Out. It's that muted oh, Peter I, Gabriel, like 1991 drums. Like, Why like, does it sound like it's his opening? Like the opening's like his deathbed wish. He's like, I want to know. It's like all alone, like just barely singing. It's, and um, also that warble. That, I love the, the bell. Like it might be Fender Rhodes and I think it's doubled with real bells, but the kind of like ding dong, like, type of thing that's over the whole top yeah kind of starting in verse two that might listen be, to that it's like hard panned right that might be like the strangest song on the record though because i that, think it's a highlight it's a, it's song. definitely a highlight oh i know your body 83 year old man that's, what, that's <laughs> why that's <laughs> why that's why it. he's like, like smoky if you don't i you love know. it and that's you've had 83 years man <laughs> For me, that one was like the most like, oh, okay, an eighty-three-year-old man wants to know my body, like it was his own. Um, so like, <laughs> for me, that was like what, that was like the strangest in that vibe oh, on this record. Man. But um, I'm like, I think this record was like really solid. I don't know. The songwriting was like kind of funny, but it was like tongue in cheek. Yeah, yeah. Um, the things I like didn't like about it. Um, like the last song I fit in there was like, uh, um, mm. it's basically kind of like the intro is very much, uh, uh, heard it through the grapevine. Um, yeah, it sounds like every Motown song in 1970. So yeah. the rest of it though is kind of like more, is so is more mm. ambiguous and doesn't sound like uh grapevine. No. So the rest of it worked for me. It's just that intro was like, so, um, I was like, oh, I don't really love that. But, yeah. um, the rest of the song works for me. See, I, I like, I fit in there. I love like the disco style. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. I like the rest of it. Ring. It's just that yeah. intro for me. Yeah. Is but like, even that one, like if you got an inner vacancy, then baby make it, make it a place for me. It's like, come on, man. It's like some of it's a little on the nose. Let me, let me take a blue pill first. Yeah, oh, give on. me 20 minutes. Hang on, baby. Uh, Sit you, by the bed. By the way. Can you give me some Alka-Seltzer <laughs> while you're in the kitchen? You fill me up is like a very nice ballad, but it's also like a very, the, the yeah, wording. Yeah, right. uh, so so close to being on the nose. Double um, entendre. So, oh yeah, it's so good. So good. Uh, this I, th I think the maybe the maybe not the worst track, but the goofiest track is the opener, Gasms. It is. It sounds amazing instrumental wise, but it is like a SNL parody song. Absolutely. And it's like I think this album would have gained like an entire higher rating for me. Put Gasms as the last song on the whole album. I listened to it. I sequenced it. I listened. I started it with how you might how you made me feel. I went all the way down. I put Gasm as the last track. It works really well as a as a closer because it kind of like makes the whole thing a bit more like goofy like, at first. Yeah, it's just this like fun and like kind of like slow jam sex song, and like especially after the, the I fit in there, which is kind of yeah. it's like a nice little like yeah you know afterburner. Um, but opening with it, I'm just like. Each it's the worst part. Them. It's the worst part. I mean, it's the best part because it's the funniest part, but it's the worst part of the album because, like, it's just so goofy. Uh, yeah, agreed. It rides that. It definitely rides that line, and I think kind of uh, rides more on the goofy side yeah. of it than the serious. This is a great tune. His voice sounds good. Like, I we start Mike and I started listening to it on Sunday, and I was we were talking about like man, Smokey Robinson. Even when he was twenty five, he sounded like he was eighty years old to me. Like he always relied on the soft, whispery falsetto thing. His voice was never my thing, never something I went to. But like eighty three year old version of him kind of sounds similar, except he does a little bit of the like ah, at the end of notes sometimes. But I think it like overall works. Um, it's not like this distracting, weird like oh, this guy does not have it anymore. He sounds. He sounds. Yeah. He sounds. Decent to pretty good the whole uh, record. Also looked up some live stuff that he's been doing yeah. recently from like these uh, promotional dates, oh. and he sounds good live. Oh, okay, cool. And he's dancing his ass off. He looks oh, real good dancing. Um, thigh rating. <laughs> also, there's not a, there's not a lot of help on this. There's like the the least amount of help auto tune type stuff You're than right. we've heard on any record in a long time. Especially yeah. from it an, sounds very naked and very real. Especially for an older artist, yeah. you are right. There's not a lot of art. Because usually you hear that shit and they, 
you can hear it immediately, and you don't hear any of it. It's so like I a, don't think there I'm, is that stuff. A lot of Paul McCartney releases of recently, I really don't like them because it's just like I want to hear his yeah. voice. I don't want to hear because anything voice a, with ha- auto-tune. a half note or longer, they stick it on to just smooth it yep, out in the and middle. It's really rough to listen to. Yeah, I thought um, I like this album. Me too. I um, love the instrumentals. Yeah, and I I I liked the vocals. Yeah, I'm same like, here. These are fine, man. So yeah. let's uh, let's talk ratings then. What are we talking here for oh. gasms? Also, can we instead? Oh, I just how many gasms do you give it? Oh, how, oh, I will how many say gasms? I will say how many gasms I give this. Um, with my note, if you watch this, the last review, I made note that Pitchfork had not reviewed uh, that latest Jack Harlow release, Jack Man. Uh, although they did his first two albums, they did decide to review Gasms by Smokey Robinson. As they well should. Um, here, here. So very much show. of interest in what they think is uh, of cultural, uh, you know, significance. There you, you go. Uh, I'm going to give, give this, this seven gasms. Oh. This made me gasm <laughs> seven <laughs> times. Um, wow. And I will say this: um, it's it is a fun kind of ridiculous record. But as for being a fun ridiculous record, mm-hmm. it plays really well. Um, He's an older artist still expressing himself, and whether that expressing himself is expressing about like doing it, uh, good for you. I don't care. You did it ten ways really, really well. So um, I'm here for the older people doing it. This was a fun release for me. It made me smile and laugh. Seven gasms. What do you uh, got? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with a pitchfork style. Seven point eight gasms. Oh. We're splitting gasm hairs here. <laughs> but I, I'm gonna go seven point. <laughs> I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Just oh, couldn't no, fully no. make it that eighth one. <laughs> they had you on the edge. Yeah. They well, that's. I mean, that's jokes on you. I'm in. <laughs> no, um, seven point eight gasm for me. I give credit for commitment, and he commits to the gasm. He he is the gasm. He's the embodiment of gasms. Uh, good on you, Smokey Robinson. Seven point eight. Seven point eight gasms. Sorry. Uh, I loved a lot of this record, and the next time I listen to it, I'll just put gasms as the last track, and I'll enjoy it even more. Um, Yo, this is eight, eight gasms for me. Um, I, I, I just, I love like smooth R and B. Oh, I know. Well, I'm, here, I'm here for it, man. Like, I'm here for it. And it's classic. It's not, it's not '80s, '90s like overly seductive R and B. It's still in the Motown old soul type of mm. seduction type stuff. So eight gasms. Eight gasms. How many gasms would you give this record? How also, many gasms would you give gasms? YouTube mm. audience. Have you done it to this record? Do you know somebody yes, that's I, done yeah, it to this right. record? Please let us know who's Please doing it. Please let us know it. who's you gasmed know. to gasms. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> and we'll keep a gasm counter in hopefully the comments. We don't get, hopefully we don't get flagged you know, for how, this one. How, how many like 72-year-old women are going to buy this album? That's oh, what I, I want to know. If you're an older person that like thinks this, like is like gets this does it for you, let me know cuz I really do want to know. Yeah. If this is like uh in if this is Go, or if this is just like more of a meme culture record at this point, or if it's like getting taken in that way, that's all I really want to know. I'll say I, although it is a bit tongue in cheek, I take it seriously. You yeah, know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. I do because it's a great record. Because there's more love songs than there are sex songs on this record. Absolutely. Yeah, and they could be. Yeah. Well, they could be one and the same. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, man, I never, I never take a gasm not seriously for granted. So. Yeah, I never take a gasm for granted. Anyway, let us know what you think in the comments below. Don't forget to like and comment and subscribe and share the podcast with your local barista and your friends and your family. Keep gasming out there, folks. We'll see you next time. <laughs> Carpe gasm. Carpe gasm.